Oh, girls, this is my favorite night of the year. Well, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, I think it's my favorite night of the year. But I thought Valentine's Day is really fun, too, because it's like an entire day dedicated to saying I love you and eating candy. So it's kind of hard. But but starting women's Bible study is definitely tied with Valentine's Day for my favorite day of the year. And the good thing about starting women's Bible study is that it happens twice a year. We do this in January, and we do it in September. That is way too much fun for one year. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for how great you are. God, we want to see you high and lifted up. We want the vision of Isaiah. God, we want to see you. And Lord, we can't wait to be in heaven. But God, we want to see you as much as we can right now. Would you open our eyes through this book? Would you give us spiritual understanding and insight that we so desperately lack in and of ourselves? God, would you be with the women who have taken a break this time? Would you be with Marianne? Just bless her, God. I thank you for this new, exciting thing that she has. But, Lord, we will so miss her. And, God, I thank you that Denise is going to be back. And it's just so much fun. I thank you for each woman here. Lord, what a blessing it is. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm really so blessed that you girls are here. Every group leader, every person who does everything. I was thinking today, I don't even know who puts the waters out in the back, but I love you. And the one who makes the coffee and sets up the table. And for you girls to take time out of your families and your schedules and your day just to come and be here. It's such a blessing. And if you don't know me, I'm married to Jason. I'm Jason's wife, or Haley's mom, or Jonathan's mom, or Aaliyah's mom, or hey you, I don't know. But I'm Christy, and I'm really excited to be studying the book of Isaiah together. And it's so much fun. I don't know if you're reading the one-year Bible or not, but um, I do. And it's so much fun because here we are 12 days in to the new year and there have already been so many prophecies fulfilled in the book of Isaiah through the gospels that we're seeing. We see after Jesus was tempted in the desert, it was Isaiah who prophesied where he would go, what he would do, that dark would be made light, what his ministry would be. We read in Matthew chapter 4, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah, in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Isaiah saw the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he prophesied about that day. He also cried out that the Israelites would not be left alone, but that God would send someone, who we found out later was John the Baptist, to prepare the way for them. Matthew chapter 3, we read, 
In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. See, God intended for his people to read the book of Isaiah. He intended for his people to know the book of Isaiah. He prophesied about the coming Messiah in the book of Isaiah. And he wanted his people to know that. He prophesies about the millennium in the book of Isaiah. And he wants us to understand what is to come. He prophesies about heaven. He gives us a description of God's glory in the book of Isaiah. This was a book that God intended his people to know. And Isaiah is my favorite book. It's tied with Deuteronomy. I couldn't decide that either. It's like women's Bible study, Valentine's Day, Isaiah, Deuteronomy. I don't know. I just like them both. I love, love, love the book of Isaiah. And, um... I just wanted to encourage you. I brought my Haley's Bible handbook too, but Yvonne had hers. So I left mine back there. But mine has a cool little old white cover. This is a pretty one too. And I wanted to tell you that this book is amazing. If you don't have one of these, get it. The kids and I, as we go through the one-year Bible, we read the Haley's Bible handbook for every time we start a new book. And it's a great description of who wrote it, the timeline of it, what was going on during that time, who was around during that time. And then after it gives the introduction of the book, it goes through and it just gives a little summary of each chapter. Of the book, and I love this book. And like Yvonne said, we have them um, available. You can sign up for them out there. They also, Jason found this week, they have a Kindle version. So you can get it like instantaneously. And maybe you're a Kindle person. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. I can't figure it out. But they do have it for you in Kindle and iBooks. And I would encourage you girls to get one to study this book. This amazing book. On Christmas night, George and Debbie Bryson came over to our house and um, into our chaos. And they brought something that made our world so much fun. And it was this big. And they plugged it in. And it was a little light that put green glitter all over my entire backyard. I mean, the kids left all their Christmas presents, and they were outside, look at me, I'm glittery. The entire backyard was just full of this green glitter light. And as I was studying for Isaiah, I thought, you know, I kind of feel about this book like I did about that green glittery light. It's a lens. It's a light into the coming Messiah, the heart of God, the millennium, God's feeling toward sin, God's feelings toward fear, the protection he offers, glimpses into heaven, glimpses into what Jesus looks like and what God sounds like. And I just thought, Isaiah is that book of things that were, of things that are to come, of things that are now. The book of Isaiah just sheds this light upon his church of what will be, what was, and what is. 
I was talking to a friend, and and they said, I love the book of Isaiah. I just see so much of Jesus in it more than any other book. And I agree. There is so much of Jesus in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was the one who foretold of the Messiah's coming. He could see it. He could see all that would be the beautiful and the glorious coming of the Messiah. And we too must fix our eyes on what is coming, on that which will be on the second coming of the Messiah, on our rapture, on the millennium, on heaven. And digging into the book of Isaiah will help us do this. I want to encourage you girls, go on a treasure hunt through the book of Isaiah. You're treasure hunters. For the next three months, you are on a search. You're on a search for the treasure of Jesus. You're on the search for the treasure of what God wants to say. There were two books of the Bible that were difficult to me. And um, I've read the Bible, I think, I think 24 times now. And now I'm doing the one-year Bible in the morning, and I'm doing the chronological Bible at night, which I really like, because then I'll be done with the Bible two more times this year, which is really fun. But there were two books that were difficult for me. No matter how many times I read them, it was kind of like, okay, here we are, God, I know you want to speak to me through this. And I'm not going to tell you which ones they were, because I don't want to taint your opinion. But Isaiah 55 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And I took that verse and I said, God, you have so much in these two books that are difficult for me. You've put them in your word. You intend for your people to read it. And you intend for me to get things out of it. You said that your word would not return void, but that it would plant a seed and that it would grow and that it would bloom. And I prayed those verses over these books. And I can honestly say now that those are two of my favorite books in the Bible. I love them. Go on a treasure hunt through this book. God has so many things for you. He has so many hidden gems for you. Pray for understanding. Pray to hear God's voice. And there will be something every single week that will blow us away and that will shape our lives to the core. We just have to ask God for the flashlight. We just have to say, God, would you bring your really fun glitter light into my backyard right now and open this book for me? And what I love is that God gives us a flashlight in various forms, like Yvonne was saying. I love that. We are all so incredibly different. I mean, I would never, ever make a plan to run, like unless something was chasing me or there was an ice cream truck. Those are the two times in my life that I run. We are all so incredibly different. God gives us a flashlight in various forms, with group, with Bible study, with journaling, with a prayer journal, with reading, with praying afterward, with with reading books and gathering information. There are so many ways to get yourself immersed in this book. I also love um, the website Precept Austin. 
I had never heard of that until a few months ago, but it's a great website, and you can type in anything that you want to know. It's Precept Austin, and you can type in anything you want to know, and it'll pop up with all these commentaries and verses and um, cross-references. It's a great, great reference, too. So Isaiah was quoted 85 times in the New Testament. And just so you know, and Debbie Cracciolo said to me after hearing Jason on Wednesday night, now I know where you guys get your information. It's Haley's Bible Handbook. And I said, yes, it is. So everything that I'm about to tell you, you could just go home right now and read it in this, and you wouldn't even need me. But then I would cry, so don't do that. So Isaiah is quoted 85 times in the New Testament. It's the second most quoted book in the New Testament right behind Psalms. And I have to tell you, if you were here on Wednesday night, I was a little upset at my husband because I thought, how does he know all that stuff too? Because everything he said, that was what I was going to say. So, oh well, if you were here Wednesday night and you're here tonight, now you're just really going to get it into your mind. So Isaiah is called the Messianic prophet. And maybe that's why it was quoted the most by Jesus. Because it speaks the most prophecies of him. Isaiah was deeply affected and inspired by the fact that one day his nation was to be the vessel through which the Messiah would come. That God was going to bless the whole world through this tiny little nation. That God would bring peace and justice and healing and salvation to the whole world through Isaiah's nation. John 12, 41 says, Isaiah saw the glory of Christ and spoke of him. Wouldn't you love that to be the description of you? Wouldn't you love to leave a conversation and have it be said, Oh, she saw the glory of Christ and spoke of it. Wouldn't that keep us from being like me who had to text a couple friends today and say, Oh, remember when I said this? I shouldn't have said that. I can't stand it when I do that. Don't you? I just hate it when I say something I shouldn't say. But if we could be those who see the glory of Christ and that's what we speak of, to encourage, to challenge, to fellowship through this book would change our world's. What I'm really excited about is that Isaiah's life and time was very similar to ours. He was a prophet of the southern kingdom, Judah, at the time when the northern kingdom, Israel, had already been destroyed by the Assyrians. He lived during the reigns of kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. His active ministry was between 740 and 700 BC. And rabbinic tradition says that Isaiah's father was Amos, who was a brother of King Amaziah, which made him a first cousin to King Uzziah and a grandson of King Joash. He belonged in the palace. He was of royal blood. And according to Jewish tradition, Isaiah died in the palace as well. He died at the hand of the evil King Manasseh, who sawed him in two. And maybe that's what Hebrews 11 was talking about when it talks about those being sawn in two. So when Isaiah was a young man, Assyria took away the people from the northern part of Israel. Thirteen years later, Samaria fell, and the rest of Israel was forced into exile. A few years later, King Sennacherib of Assyria came into Judah and destroyed 46 cities and took 200,000 people 
Hebrew people to captivity. When Isaiah was an old man, the Assyrians were stopped outside of the wall of Jerusalem by an angel of God. So we see when he was young, we see when he was in his middle of his life, we see when he was older, constantly under the threat of the Assyrians. His whole life was spent under the shadow of threat, of terror, of war, of kidnappings, of murders. He witnessed the destruction of his entire nation except Jerusalem. Threats of war and terror are not new to our world. Isaiah faced the same thing. And yet we find the beauty of his relationship with the Lord. In so many beautiful verses of having no fear, such as Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, But now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And it made me think of all the threats that we have today. Our world is different. Our world is changing. The terror is different. We don't know where to find the terror or even what to fear. But there's nothing new under the sun. There have always been threats. There have always been terrors. There has always been possibilities. But there will always be the mighty hand of God for us to lean hard upon. There will always be the character of God, like Isaiah in his lifetime, with terror and possibilities that we are able to lean into and rest under the shadow of. Things that he says to Isaiah like, don't fear, my hand is not so short that I cannot save. He can save in any situation. Isaiah saw our God as the Savior, and that is what we need to see our God as. In 1947, at Ein Fashka, which is really fun to say if you want to try it later, Ein Fashka, seven miles south of Jericho and one mile west of the Dead Sea, some wandering Arab Bedouins were looking for a lost goat. And one of the boys looking for his lost goat was throwing rocks into a cave and heard a crash, which really just shows that little boys, no matter what culture, no matter what age, no matter what time period in life, when they're supposed to be doing things like looking for their goats, will find a way to break something, to throw something, and to crash something. So see, we're just the same people, just different time. So this little boy was looking for his goat. And he was throwing rocks into a cave because I don't know what they think. I mean, maybe he thought he would find the goat by throwing a rock into the cave. I don't know. Sometimes I just look at my sweet son and, what are you thinking right now? So I'm sure that he had a little Arab Bedouin mom who later said, what were you thinking right then? So he was throwing rocks into a cave and he heard a crash 
And it was in a partially collapsed cave. And he found crushed jars with scrolls in them. And so they took him to the Orthodox Covenant in Jerusalem, who then took them to the American Schools of Oriental Research. If you really want to know things like that, like my husband, he has these like weird facts rolling around in his head. So I probably would have just said they took them somewhere and found out that they were the book of Isaiah. But if you want to know, they took them to Mark's Syrian Orthodox Covenant in Jerusalem and then turned them into the American schools of Oriental research. These and other scrolls were later found in the area of Qumran were known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. One of the scrolls was identified as the book of Isaiah. It had been written over two thousand years previous to them finding it. They were carefully sealed in earthenware jars and hidden in caves, possibly during the Roman conquest of Judea. There were 22 copies of Isaiah found in the area of Qumran. And one time, I'll never forget this, I was so, so, so excited. Um, I was doing a retreat in Texas, and the place, the facility that we were doing a retreat at, it was connected to a museum, and they had the Dead Sea Scrolls there. So I got to go see it. I grabbed one of the girls from the retreat, and I said, hi, I'm Christy. Do you want to go see the scrolls with me? And so we went, and we looked at these scrolls, and we got to see them, and I was amazed to see the care that these scribes had put into them. I mean, I'm surprised when something I make lasts like three weeks, let alone lasting 2,000 years in earthenware jars over war. I was amazed at this. I mean, we're talking scrolls written in ancient Hebrew script on parchment made in the second century B.C., 24 feet long, made up of sheets with 10 to 15 inches and sewn together. What amazed me as I was walking through that museum and just looking at all the words of God as I thought, think of all who have gone before us, who have found treasure in these words, who have found refuge and solace in God's promises through these scrolls, who were strengthened by the words in these scrolls, who have found strength and rest in God's command. Think about everybody. I mean, how many people sat in fear and read a promise of God's trust and found peace? How many people sat in wonder of their wandering Arab child who was throwing rocks into a cave and thought, what do I do with this kid? And found rest in the word of God. All of those who have gone before us have found rest in his word. This is not just some far off book. Isaiah says it does not return void. His word, it goes forth and it accomplishes exactly what God wants it to accomplish in our lives. This is our life today. It's what God intends for us to apply his word and our knowledge or his knowledge to our everyday life. And I'm not sure as I was praying about this study and about this time starting and about this night, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you come to this study with. I don't know if it's new to you. I don't know if you love the book of Isaiah. I don't know if you've never read the book of Isaiah. I don't know if women's ministry. 
I don't know what state that you are in tonight as you come here. I don't know what state you're in. I don't know what awaits us. I mean, March is a long time away. I don't know what you will walk through in this study, but here's what I do know. I know that Jesus is the great I am. And what that means is that he is the ever-becoming one. He will become what you need him to become. Through this book, he wants to be all that you need. Do you feel low and crushed under the burdens of the day? We're going to study in Isaiah that God is high and lifted up with his glory filling our lives. Do you feel entrenched in darkness and you can't see the path out of your situation? Isaiah will show you how to see God as the everlasting light. Are you sick of your sin, impurities, and yourself being on the throne? Isaiah will show you how to see God as the holy and exalted one. Do you feel alone, left, abandoned, invisible, unseen? Isaiah will show you that God is Emmanuel, God with us. Are you dry and thirsty tonight? Are you parched and you need your thirst quenched? Isaiah will show you how to see God as the living water. Do you feel exposed, uncovered, in need? Isaiah will show you how to see God as your refuge, your redeemer. Do you feel weak and weary? Isaiah will show you how to see God as your strength. Do you feel unguided and unsure? Isaiah will show you how to see God as your master. Do you feel trapped and lost? Isaiah will show you how to see God as your savior, your deliverer. Do you feel disconnected or unfruitful? Isaiah will show you how to see God as the branch. Do you feel despair over the way this world is being run, the decisions that are being made? God will, or Isaiah will show you how to see God as the coming king. Do you feel misjudged, misread? Isaiah will show you how to see God as the judge. Do you feel confused, misdirected? Isaiah will show you how to see God as the word. If we dig in diligently to this book, not passively, not if we have time for it, Not if we feel like it. Not if we have an extra 10 minutes because whoever really has that. Not if your DVR is broke and your show didn't get recorded and they don't have it on Netflix. If all three of those line up, not then. If we truly set aside time each day to dig into this book, the blessings that will be ours are endless. They're endless. I think it'll surprise us how many verses we already know from this book. I think it'll surprise us how easy this book is to read. There's such beauty in this book. There are such treasures in this book. Historians have proclaimed that Isaiah far surpasses Shakespeare in linguist abilities. But we know it wasn't Isaiah. We know it was the Holy Spirit flowing through his pen speaking to a world that he is desperately in love with. Do you know that tonight? Do you know that wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you do, that God is so desperately in love with you? Do you know that that he couldn't love you anymore if you were perfect? 
Do you know he doesn't love you any less because of what you did? Do you know that he's so desperately in love with you? And the Holy Spirit, who longs for a relationship with you, who longs for time with you, cries out to you tonight and says, Will you read my word? Will you read my word so you can see how loved you are? This book is where we get the description of the ministry that would belong to Jesus. When Jesus, well, we'll just read it in Luke chapter 4. It says, So Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Do you need gracious words tonight? They're found in the book of Isaiah. Are you brokenhearted? Jesus, through the ministry of Isaiah, wants to heal your heart. Do you feel poor tonight? Jesus, through the book of Isaiah, wants to be the wealth of a treasure of knowledge of love for you. Do you feel blind tonight? Jesus, through the book of Isaiah, wants to heal your sight. I'm going to memorize this verse this week, the one in Isaiah. I meant to do it last week, but I'm going to do it this week. So if you want to do that with me, I so encourage you to. And I just imagine this scene, and I imagine it completely quiet in the temple, completely quiet. You know how quiet it can get? Like when, you know, you're talking during worship and then the worship song ends, you know, like that awkward, like, oh, now it's really, really quiet. I just wonder if it was this quiet when Jesus stood up and proclaimed this verse over his life. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Thousands of years earlier, his ministry had been laid out for him in the book of Isaiah. And I just want to encourage us to dig into this book. And I don't even want to just have you read the verses that are listed. I love the verses that we listed. We spent a lot of time digging through those verses that are listed. We spent a long time. But here's what I would love for you to do if you want to go deeper. Because, see, I don't want you just to be fed and happy. I want you to know the book of Isaiah by the time we're done here. I want you to be a digger of the word of God by the time we're done here. So if you start today and you read six chapters a week in order, chapters one through six this week, and if you read six chapters a week, you'll be done with the book of Isaiah on the exact night that we end this Bible study. Is that not crazy? See, God totally planned that out for us. We didn't know before we started dividing it up. So that means that he wants you to do that. So thus saith the Lord, read six chapters of the book of Isaiah. I mean, it would be so fast. Here's what you do. 
I don't want to take away from your time. If you're doing the one-year Bible, that is amazing. Keep doing that. I want you to do the homework because otherwise you're not going to have anything to talk about in group, and nobody wants that. Do your homework because it's so fun to see the themes of God and his character and who he is and what he wants to say. Do the homework. It's amazing. For like two minutes a day, turn on your iPad. Turn on your iPhone. Turn on your Galaxy. Turn on your Bible. You can open it still. We can open that and just read one chapter, one chapter each day. And you have an extra day. There's like a substitute day if you like miss time. Six chapters of Isaiah a week and we'll read the whole thing. Before we, um, or when we were putting together this Bible study, we didn't even know that Jason was going to be going through the book of Isaiah on Wednesday nights. And even when we did know that, we didn't know he was starting just a few days before we started women's Bible study. So you know what that tells me? That tells me that God wants to speak through this church right now in the book of Isaiah. He has something to say to us in the book of Isaiah in this season. So I want to leave you with the encouragement to not be my great-grandpa. Don't be my great-grandpa. My great-grandpa sits at our family gatherings without his hearing aid. And he just sits there... No idea what we're talking about. No idea what we're saying. Not a part of the conversation. Not a part of what's going on. Just sitting there. So don't be my great grandpa. Put your spiritual hearing aid in tonight and listen to what God wants to say. Get your pen, get your journal, get your notebook, get your Bible, and listen. Tune in to what God wants to say. I don't think, I mean, have we ever gone through like a book on Sunday morning or Wednesday night and in women's ministry? I can't ever remember it. God is wanting to say a special thing to us right now. I was so struck by Noah this last week. And I know that Jason said this last Sunday. He always steals my stuff. (laughs) But God brought the animals, and God brought the rain, and God brought the family, and God closed the door, and God did everything. But Noah had to build an ark. Noah had to pound the nails. He had to get the wood. He had to make the vessel that God would fill. Same thing with the tabernacle. Moses built it, and then God filled it with his presence. Same thing with the temple. Solomon built it, and then God filled it with his presence. And that's my favorite, because it was so full of the presence of God that the priests couldn't even continue to work that day. We want the presence of God, don't we? Don't we want the voice of God? Don't we want the wisdom of God? Don't we want to hear? We have to build that time. Your time that you spend in this book is the vessel, the ark that you are building for God to fill it with his presence. Take the time with Isaiah. Make the time. Build the framework. Pound the simple nails. And I guarantee that the presence of God that fills our lives because of this book will be like nothing we've ever experienced. I was reading the other day that the English word humility comes from the Greek word humus. 
And that's where we get our word, our English word for the humus soil. The darkest, deepest, richest soil is humus soil. And they get that from the Greek word humus, where we get our word humility. It's also organic top matter. That's where we get that word. But it's the soil that causes us to bear the most fruit. It's the soil that causes plants to thrive. The word where we get our English word humility comes from this. And maybe tonight you stand here before the book of Isaiah and you feel apprehensive. Or maybe you feel intimidated of being a group leader. Or maybe you feel intimidated, like me, to be a teacher. Wherever you are in this, God wants to give you his humus soil, the humility, the dark, deep, rich soil of us coming before God and saying, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I want to understand your book. Open your hands to Jesus. I'm unsure of this book, my understanding of it, my ability to canvas it. I'm sure, I'm unsure of my ability to lead conversations about it. I'm unsure of my ability to teach it. I'm unsure of my ability to read it every day. But you put Isaiah into the Bible for me to read and understand. And so I stand here as humus soil. And help me to glean all I can. Help me to bear fruit. There is so much for us in this book. In Job 28, (coughs) he says, There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. (coughs) Sorry. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Man puts an end to the darkness. He searches the farthest recesses for ore in the blackest darkness. Far from where people dwell, he cuts a shaft in places forgotten by the foot of man. Far from man, he dangles and sways. The earth from which food comes is transformed below as by fire. Sapphires come from its rock, and dust contains nuggets of gold. No bird of prey knows that hidden path. No falcon's eye has seen it. Proud beasts do not set foot on it, and no lion prowls there. Man's hand assaults the flinty rock and lays bare the roots of the mountain. He tunnels through the rock. His eyes see all its treasures. He searches the sources of rivers and brings hidden things to light. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Man does not comprehend its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep sea says it's not in me. The sea says it's not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed with silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir, with precious onyx of sapphire. Neither can gold nor crystal compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels of gold, coral, and jasper are not worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Cush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. See, we as man, we search for rubies, People go into the darkest, deepest, blackest caves to find your diamonds that are on your rings. 
to find your sapphires that are on your necklace. I have one. It's my birthstone. I don't know if it's real or not, but that's what it looks like. These things, people go into dark, deep caves looking for these things, looking for these things that we cannot save, looking for these things that will not benefit our lives. And yet God alone knows the treasures of wisdom. God alone knows the path of light. God alone can give you the wisdom that you so desperately need for your situation that you're in. And he wants to. That's the crazy thing. Is he says that if we ask him, he'll give it to us liberally. He'll pour it on us. So this study, be the humus soil. You might not understand everything. You won't understand everything. I can guarantee it. But when I think about the book of Isaiah, I kind of think of an onion. It's got layers for everybody. Your first time you read through that chapter, you might not get it all, but you'll get something. God will give you a treasure. He will give you a nugget of gold. He will give you a sapphire. And if you want to go even deeper, he's got even more layers for you. These verses he set before you as a light to his wisdom. And I just want us to listen to him calling, and I want us to follow him. And maybe, you know, I would even encourage you to go to Wednesday nights if you don't normally go. Jason's doing it in six weeks. I don't know how. He has five more weeks left. He did one. He's got five more. Maybe if you're not a usual Wednesday night person, go for the next five weeks. Dig into the book of Isaiah. Find out what God wants to say because he wants to say beautiful things to you. So, Lord, we just give you this time. We give you this book. Lord, we give you ourselves. I give you each woman here. God, you alone know the depths of our hearts. You alone know the situations that lay before you. You alone know. Because, God, you said that all things are naked and open in your sight. So, God, would you see through us? And, God, would we see you? Lord, we love to, to search your word for the, the word for the day that you want to speak to us. We love to search your word for wisdom in a situation. But God, more than anything, we want to see you. We want to see you high and lifted up. God, would you reveal yourself to us through this book of Isaiah? Thank you so much for these women. Bless our table time. Bless the group leaders. Flood us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and draw us nearer to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.